Isaiah chapter number 6 this morning. And uh, verse number 1, if you will, let's stand all over the building. I appreciate the great singing, the Lord meeting with us and letting us worship Him, letting us praise Him. And uh, Isaiah chapter number 6, what Isaiah saw humbled him. What Isaiah saw uh, brought him under conviction. And what Isaiah saw filled him with an urgency to serve the Lord. And uh, that's what we need in the day and hour that we live in. Uh, And uh, Isaiah 6 and verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. They are praising the Lord publicly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that was that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, uh, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. We'll stop reading there this morning. Let's pray and then you can be seated. Heavenly Father, we we come before you this morning with thanksgiving. We come before you this morning with praise. We come before you this morning in need. I pray, God, that you would meet our need. I pray, God, that you would help us uh, in this part of the service. God, touch the preaching. May it be what you need it to be. May it be what you've designed it to be. God, may it be, Lord, uh, may it be, God, what it must be this morning to set men free. God, help us, I pray, please. Help me. God, I'm, I'm an unworthy vessel apart from the grace of God. And the Lord, if there is any worthiness in me, it's because of the grace of God. It's because of the blood that cleanses from all sin. Thank you this morning. God, may we make much of Jesus. God, may we, Lord, may we honor you. May we worship you. May we lift you, Lord, with our voice and with our hearts, Lord, to a place of preeminence in our lives. God, thank you this morning for the opportunity to preach your word. God, meet with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I'm going to preach the second part of a three-part uh, series this morning. I uh, began looking at the vision that Isaiah saw. 
Uh, and I preached uh, on the tragedy that fueled Isaiah's vision. This morning, I want to preach on the truth that filled Isaiah's vision. And next week, Lord, when I want to finish with the task that followed uh, Isaiah's vision. Uh, the tragedy that fueled Isaiah's vision, if you remember, uh, and we find it in chapter 6, verse number 1, the Bible said that it was in the year that King Uzziah died. That Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. When his king died, then he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Uh, the tragedy that fueled this vision is that there are circumstances in Isaiah's life that have taken place that Isaiah uh, has no one to look to and it is in that moment that the Lord pulls back the veil and reveals himself to Isaiah. Aren't you glad for the times in life when there's no one else you can lean on? No one else you can look to, no one else you can depend on, and the Lord Jesus reveals himself as your all in all, as your sufficiency. Uh, when the people that have brought you so far in life, and you've depended on them, you have leaned on them, not that they were your God, but they were your go-to. When, when, when trouble came, that was where you ran. When problems came, that was where you went for wisdom. And they are removed from your life. They are removed from your leadership. It is in those moments, if you look, that the Lord will reveal that he is all you've ever needed and he is all you need and he is all you ever will need. Amen. It was in that moment of tragedy. His nation is falling apart. They are under judgment. I preached those five or those six woes of Isaiah chapter five and God said woe is, woe is, woe is and he pronounces judgment on Israel and Isaiah sees the nation he loves crumbling and he sees the godly king that he has followed has now died. The Bible said about Uzziah the king that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. That's hard to find uh, in anybody that it is a testimony that they did uh, that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And, and yet it is said, I'm looking for my hanky, I can't find it. And yet it is said of, uh, of uh, Uzziah that he does that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. And now he's gone. Now he's out of the picture. And you can imagine the tragedy of Isaiah's heart. I don't feel that I need to go back and re-preach that, but I do want to emphasize this morning, I'm glad in the lowest points of life, that's when the Lord walks in. I'm glad in the very lowest places where what we've depended on is no longer there. Thank God Jesus is a very present help in a time of need and trouble. This tragedy fuels this vision. And then I want to notice this morning the truth that fills Isaiah's vision. What is it that he saw? What is it that God revealed of himself to Isaiah that changed Isaiah's life? God's about to call him to a task, to a job that he uh, is probably unqualified for. 
God's about to call him to do something that in his own ability he can't do. God's about to ask Isaiah to do something that really is a difficult job. It is a difficult task at hand and yet God is equipping him and, 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 and I wanna say this to you this morning. If you're gonna serve the Lord, if you're gonna live for God, you're gonna need to see a higher vision of God than what most of us have of who he is. Most young people think that serving the Lord is, uh, is a tragedy. Most adults do too. Uh, many of you sitting in here this morning, you think, God, I hope you don't ever call me to do something because you think God calling you to do something would take away from your quality of life. Uh, people that are lost sat in church and they say, man, I, 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 I'd get saved, but man, I'm just enjoying my life. And I don't want God to intervene with my life. Isn't it amazing how we think that getting saved or living for God is some great sacrifice that we've made? And there are sacrifices in the ministry, but I promise you this much, uh, who he is is much greater than what you had going on without him. You don't have a sad story. God help us this morning to quit telling our sad story about how we left all our friends and we left. God's given me more friends than I've ever had back there in my sin. We tell our sad story about how we left this and left that and, and God's given me greater life. God, and it ain't all about me and it ain't all about you but what I got now is far greater than what I had without him. And God has enriched my life. God has blessed my life and he's not, he's not, he's not lessening your quality of life but God has greatly improved my life. I woke up this morning in my right mind. Is anybody grateful for that this morning? I woke up this morning and I didn't need to go to a bottle to get through the day, but God has given me life and liberty that I did not have without him. What Isaiah is going to do is a difficult task, and so God is going to reveal himself in such a manner to Isaiah that he realizes that, that God is the prize, that Jesus is the life, that Jesus is the glory, and it is Isaiah's privilege to get to serve him. It is not God trying to take away all your fun but it is that God is revealing himself to Isaiah in such a manner that God will, or that Isaiah can look at all the problems of life in their right perspective and say, yeah, this is bad, and yes, it's getting bad, and yes, this is terrible, and yes, this is the problem, but look who I'm serving in the middle of this problem. Look who it is that I'm worshiping. Look, that, that, when you realize who Jesus is, that'll let you come in church on a Sunday morning when things are not going in your way, the battery was dead in the car, the tire was flat, and you owe 10 different people, and you don't know how you're gonna make your bills, and you can walk into church and still praise God, because your greatest thing in life is not your bills or your problems, but it is the one that you're serving in spite of all of that. God's gonna change his perspective when he sees the Lord high and lifted up. It is the truth that fills Isaiah's vision. Uh, Isaiah saw him. God, I don't know how all this worked, but Isaiah had a vision like John the Revelator, John the Revelator had on the Isle of Patmos. 
God pulled back the veil and, and, and God revealed himself to Isaiah just as he did to John. And, and I'm not looking this morning for that to happen to me and you, but I have seen him by faith. I've seen him in his glory by faith. I've seen him in his goodness by faith. I've seen him in his grace by faith. But one of these days, hallelujah to God, one of these days my faith will need to be no more and I will see him with my glorified eyes. When I, when I, when I see him as he is, I'll see him. But until then, let's look at him, what John or what Isaiah saw when he saw the Lord. Let's look at this truth that filled Isaiah's vision. Number one this morning, I want to, uh, I want to say to you in the truth that filled Isaiah's vision. I want you to notice, notice rather the truth of the position of Christ. And, and we know this is Christ. You say, how do you know that what Isaiah saw was Christ? How do we know it's not God the Father? Well, number one, they're three in one. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But here's what John said in the New Testament. John references Isaiah chapter number six. And in John chapter number 12, verse 41, John says, these things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. John is talking about the Lord Jesus and John says about the Lord Jesus that Isaiah saw him in his glory and spake of him. What Isaiah sees in Isaiah chapter number six, he sees Jesus and it changes him. It changes his opinion. It changes his perspective. It changes his purpose in life. It changes his peace in life. And how many of you know this morning that Jesus is the only one that can change you? He sees Jesus. He sees the truth of the position of Jesus. Notice Isaiah chapter number six this morning, verse number one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He's sitting on a throne. He said, I, I, when my king died, I saw Jesus. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. I, Isaiah said, I saw him uh, on a throne. I, I want to say to you this morning that when Isaiah saw Jesus in this Old Testament Christophany, in this Old Testament picture, in this Old Testament uh, uh, fulfillment, uh, that Isaiah, or vision that Isaiah saw, when he saw the Lord Jesus, he didn't see him on a cross. Now there are Old Testament uh, uh, um, uh, prophecies that reveal to us that he was going to be born in a manger in Bethlehem, that he was going to be despised and rejected of men. There are Old Testament pictures and prophecies and visions that are given to us that reveal that Jesus was going to die on a cross. Uh, there are those that he was going to uh, die for sinners. But I want you to know that when God reveals him in his glory to Isaiah, he shows him seated on a throne. 
And he says, what I want you to know is Jesus has a throne. You've been watching this king. You've been looking at this king. You've been serving this king. And that's all right because Uzziah was a good king. But at the end of the day, he was a man at best. At the end of the day, he, he would fail you, Isaiah. Every man will fail you. I, I appreciate you thinking highly of me. I hope that you do. But don't think too highly of me because I will fail you. I will let you down and, and don't throw no rocks at me because you will let me down as well. But I want you to know this morning, hallelujah to God, that there is a king seated on a throne. His name is Jesus and he will never fail you. Jesus never ever fails. God pulled back the veil and said, I want you to see him in his glory. Do you remember in Matthew uh, when uh, Peter, James, and John were brought up to the Mount of Transfiguration? Do you remember what took place there? God spoke out of heaven and, and Christ was, that's why it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. The Lord Jesus was transfigured before them. And what they had seen, they'd seen him as a man. They'd seen him as a carpenter's son. They'd seen him in his flesh. But it was on the Mount of Transfiguration that them three disciples, Peter, James, and John, they looked and God, God transfigured Jesus before them and he was shown to them in all of his glory. And they saw just in that pulling back of the veil, they saw who he really is. And that's what we need this morning. Everybody, and I'm glad, thank God, this morning he was born in a manger. I'm glad he is tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He knows what it is to be poor. He knows what it is to be despised. He was born in a manger. He was the son of a carpenter. At least his earthly father was a carpenter. His stepfather was a carpenter. And he worked and he lived and and he got dirt on his feet with his sandals as he walked up and down through Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Jesus suffered, Jesus slept, Jesus wept, Jesus hungered, Jesus thirsted. He was a man just like me and you are. But that's about most of our vision of him, that he was a man. We got a vision of him that he was like me and we say, well, Jesus understands and he does. Aren't you glad he understands? But John reveals to us, or Isaiah reveals to us, and John reveals to us, and, and, and God reveals to us in Matthew uh, through Peter, James, and John being on the Mount of Transfiguration that he is more than a man. He is more than a man who walked this earth, but he is a king seated on a throne. You feel this morning like you've been robbed, you know. Some of you young people, because your mom and daddy got saved and want to live for God, that's because you have a low vision of who he is. You feel like this morning that God, if God ever called you to do something, that it would be such a drag, it would be such a problem because you don't want to give up what you've got because what you've got seems so big to you. And no doubt Isaiah did not want to lose his king. He did not want to lose Uzziah, but losing Uzziah was the greatest thing that could ever happen because he realized that there's a greater king than Uzziah. There's a greater life than what Uzziah could offer. And what I want you to see this morning is the greatest thing you could ever do is see him for who he is and serve him. You say, I wouldn't want to be a missionary. That would really take away. I want to live. 
I don't want to live in a foreign country. I got news for you. We're living in a foreign country. <laughs> I don't feel like I recognize our country much anymore. How about this one? I don't want to live in this country without him. And I'd rather live in another one but him be there with me. Oh, it needs to be more about our king. I don't know who your king is this morning, but I'm glad there's a greater king. I don't know who your king is this morning, but Jesus is a whole lot greater. He's a whole lot greater. I don't know who it is you're worshiping this morning. I don't know who it is you're praising this morning, but I know Jesus is greater. He's the king on the throne. We have a low vision of it. And God wanted Isaiah to know who it was he was serving. Let me, let me give you some verses this morning. Uh, look, look, you don't have to turn there. I'll just, I'll just read them to you this morning. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3. Who being, in the, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Revelation 19, verse 16, the Bible said, He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Isaiah said, I, I saw him as a king seated on a throne high and lifted up. Let me ask you a question this morning. What do you see when you think of Jesus? We, 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 we see him in his humanity and we ought to. We see him in his earthly life and we ought to. We see him in his, in his humility and we ought to. But have you ever considered this morning that he's God? He's in control. The heavens declare his glory. And them stars that you saw last night, he put them there. And that sun that's shining so bright and majestically this morning, he placed it there. And all that we see and do and breathe, God has made it possible. And he's not just a man who lived. He's not just a Mahatma Gandhi or a, the people that they, you know, folks say, look to this one, a Mother Teresa. And I don't know anything about their character. Maybe they were good. Maybe they were bad. Maybe they were a little both. I don't know. But I'm glad I've got a greater than a man-made hero. I'm glad I've got a greater than a moral leader. But Jesus is a king. He's seated on a throne and he's coming back and living for God is no drag when you recognize who he is. This life that we live is a short period. There's a thousand years coming at the end of the tribulation and, 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 and I'm glad we're not going into the tribulation. I'm glad the rapture is going to take place and at the end of the, when the rapture takes place and those seven years of tribulation on this earth begin and, 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 and the Antichrist three and a half years into it reveals who he really is and, 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 and his real motives and all of that and Jesus is coming back and he's coming back to rule and he's coming back 
back to reign and he's going to Jerusalem and he's gonna sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and he's gonna rule this earth for a thousand years as the king of kings and lord of lords and it may not matter to you right now but in that day it will matter that you serve the king. He's king. He's king. He's king. And I'm trying to tell you this morning, get a higher vision of who he is than what you've got. Not only did Isaiah see him as king, seated on a throne, high and lifted up, but Isaiah saw him as priest. Uh, verse number uh, one, Isaiah chapter six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. His train. This train is a part of a priestly garment. The priest wore this long garment with a flowing train that followed behind it, and on this garment, the priestly garments, they would, they would put bells, and these bells would jingle as they would go into the, the temple. And as long as you were on the outside, because nobody was allowed, allowed in the temple except the priests, it was a holy place, and no one was allowed in. We were all strangers on the outside. And there'd be one man, he'd be a Levite, and he'd go into the temple with this veil or with this, uh, this uh, garment, with this train, and it would... It would uh, it would, it, would, it would jingle as he would walk through. And as long as you could hear that bell, then you knew he was all right. But if this man went in with sin, if this man went in and he wasn't clean, if this man went in and he had not performed all that God had asked him to perform, God would smite him. He would die. Uh, let, me, let me throw this out here at you this morning. You think you can have a casual approach at God and God just kind of grins and smiles at everything that you do. Don't forget this morning, he is holy. He is holy. That's why I'm not contemporary. That's why Crossroads Baptist Church is not contemporary because we're not trying to lessen who he is. We want our view of him to be higher, not less. We're not trying to make a God that will fit the world standards. We're trying to preach God so that the world will come to know him and change their standards of who he is. We're not bringing him down. We're lifting him up. And Isaiah said, when I looked, he said, I saw him seated on a throne and his train filled the temple. What he had on was priestly garments. His train filled the temple. What, what, what killed Uzziah was this. He was the king, but kings were different than priests. And kings had no business in the temple. It didn't matter how big you got, they had no business offering sacrifice to God in the temple. That was the priest's job. And God had ordained it and distinguished it to be the priest's job. And Uzziah got proud, the Bible said. Uzziah, and he was a good man, but even good men will fail you. Uzziah got lifted up in pride and he thought he could offer incense to God in the temple. And he went into the temple and the Levites came to him and said, we know you're the king, but you're not a priest. Don't 
do this and he, they rebuked him and beside, and he went, he went against their rebuke and he did it and God smote him with leprosy. And he lived 15 of his last years as a leper and he died a leper. And Isaiah knows that kings aren't supposed to be in the temple. That's the priest's job. But Isaiah said, but I saw Jesus and he was a king. But he wasn't just a king, he was a priest. He's the only one could walk into that holy place and make a sacrifice. Hallelujah. He's the only one that could go into the presence of God as who he was because he is God and go in there on our behalf. And and he said, Isaiah said, and his train was so big, it filled the temple. That means there was no room for anybody else. I, I want you to hear me this morning. There's no way for you to be your own priest. You're gonna need a sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. You're gonna need it applied. Jesus is the applier. You're gonna need a way out of sin. Jesus is the way out. You won't work your way out. You've got no business trying to get your way out. It is by faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. If you think this morning, well, I'm gonna, if I were to ask you, you going to heaven You'd say, many would say, well, I hope so. If you've been around here long enough and you've been saved by the grace of God, I don't believe that'd be your answer, but I'm talking about the world. If I ask, are you going to heaven? They'd say, well, I hope so. And if I were to follow that up with another question, why do you hope so? Many folks, and I hear it all the time, they say, well, I try to be good. I try to be good to my neighbor. I pay my bills. I'm kind. I go to church. I give. What you're saying is that I have marked me off a spot and I'm my own priest and I, 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 I am doing all of this. And God said, you ain't got no business because you're unclean. (laughs) But here's where it gets good. Jesus is and Jesus can. And what you need this morning is to realize that not only is he king and he's coming, but he is the priest. He's the only one that can save you. And if you'll throw yourself at the mercy of Christ and say, I am a sinner, but you are the savior, he will save you and change you and make you fit for the presence of God. Isaiah said he's the priest in the temple. He's not only a king, but he's a priest. Isaiah, let me give you some more verse, more verses. Isaiah 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Revelation 4, verse 8. Now the things which we, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now why in the world does that matter? And I'm coming to an end this morning. Are y'all still all right? Why in the world does any of that matter? What Isaiah saw. Well, here's why. Most of the world anymore has those that believe that there is a Savior, that there is a God. They have this mindset of who he is. Well, Jesus died so I can do what I want. He knows we're all sinners. 
And uh, he's not really that upset about, about my sin. That's, that's, that's many of your mindsets when you came here or when you came to truth. I'm all right. Jesus loves us. And boy, don't the Lord love the whole world. John 3, 16, sin in my Bible, for God so loved the world, he gave, him, gave his only life, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God does love sinners. But just because God loves sinners does not mean that you're all right. I need you to hear me this morning. Just because you was born in the South, just because you're an American, just because your grandma went to church, just because you were baptized, or whatever your religion may hold to that's getting you in, it does not mean that you're saved. Just because you're dead, it does not mean that you're right with God. But we have this viewpoint that God's not really upset about sin because God in the Old Testament was mean and God in the New Testament's nice. Isn't that what the world teaches? He was mean back then, then he got right and became Jesus and was nice. None of that's true. He was full of grace in the Old Testament. He made provision for man's sin for them to get clean from it. And he's full of grace in the New Testament. He's made provision in Christ for man to get clean, but man's always had to deal with man's sin. Hollywood, music, everybody believes in heaven. Everywhere, everybody believes. And they believe all of us are going. Nobody believes in hell. Because nobody believes they're actually going to be held accountable to God for their sin. But they are. Dallas said a minute ago when he was testifying, he said, I'm a murderer and an adulterer. He said, I've never done those things. But the Bible said that James said, if you've offended in one point of the law, you've offended the whole law. And if I've offended the whole law, then whatever's in that law that could be broken, I have offended every point in that law. I am a sinner. And God judges sinners. God holds sinners to account. God didn't sneeze at or smile at what you did because he thinks you're cute. God said sin has a price for the wages of sin is death. It'll kill you in this life and when you leave this life it'll put you in the lake of fire which is the second death. Are you hearing me this morning? God's not smiling at your sin. God's not brushing it off. God, I'm trying to quit preaching this morning. I'm nearly done. But God's not gonna get you to heaven and pull out the scale and put all your good on one scale and all your bad on another scale because here's the problem. You may have some good, but our righteousness, the Bible said, is as filthy rags. The best that you could come up with is still filthiness in the sight of God. The best that you could come up with is still hindered and hampered by that little thing we call the flesh that is in us and in us dwelleth no good things there's no there's none righteous no not one and if you're planning on getting to heaven and God looking over your sin you didn't get that out of the Bible God said I'm going to hold you accountable to it 
And you're going to pay your debt. And your debt is paid for eternity in a place called hell. Or someone else pays your debt. And you receive them. And that's Jesus who paid your debt. And if you receive him, you receive all of him. I want you to take me. I want you to save me. I want you to wash me. I want you. God, again, God's going to deal with that sin. But thank God this morning he dealt with it on the cross of Calvary. He dealt with it at Calvary. He knew, who knew no sin became sin. He took my sin. He took your sin. He washed us. He became us. Isaiah said, I saw him. He's the priest. He's the only one that can take away sin. What you need to do is throw yourself at his mercy and say, I am a sinner. And if you can take away sin, would you please wash me? And Jesus is such a good priest. He can. You don't have to go to a priest. You can go to there's one priest. He's the high priest. He's our high priest. I don't need another priest. I don't need a man to sprinkle me with water or to, or to talk to me in a booth. I've got Jesus and Jesus can save. And he's such a good savior when he saves, he only has to do it once. And he can save you from your past, present, and future sin. And on Calvary he died, took your place. He who knew no sin became sin. And this morning, if you'll throw yourself at his mercy, he'll save you. There's so much more there, I'm not going to get to it. I want you to come to the piano this morning. He saw the position of Christ. He's king. He's in control. He's priest. He alone can save. Not only that, but he's judge. He's judge. We're an arrogant society. No one can judge me. No one can judge me. I don't want anyone to judge me. Aren't we so arrogant? There's one this morning. He's seated on a throne. He's the judge. He's judge. And he has the right. Listen to me this morning. Jesus has the right to put you in hell. If I were to look at your life and make that decision, the truth be told, I'm a hypocrite if I had to make that decision because I would have to make it knowing in my heart that I have my own faults, my own failures. Jesus is the only one. No fault, no failure, no spot, no blemish. The Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He's the only one that was clean enough to save you. He's sufficiently perfect. And because of that, he's the one that's righteous in his judgment. I'll tell you an illustration. You've, many of you have heard it. I've heard it my whole life. I'll give you this illustration and I'll close. 
if I can remember it right. If not, I'll improvise. A wealthy man uh, died. A wealthy man passed from this life. They had an auction auction off all his belongings and people came from near and far and everywhere because they heard the wealth of this man and he was auctioning off everything that he had and they said we want to go we want to get in on that we want to buy some things this wealthy man uh, had a son his son had died he had a portrait of this boy he kept he loved his boy he had a portrait of this boy kept hung on the mantle the auctioneer was given specific instructions. When, when I pass away, here's what I want you to do. So he called the auction. They sent out the advertisement. People came from near and far. They come to bid. The auctioneer said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting the bidding this morning. The first thing on the agenda is a picture of this wealthy man's son. He loved his son. He was... Thought his son was the greatest thing that there was. He loved him. And that's where we're going to start the bidding. All the wealthy that came to bid, they said, oh, why? Do away with that. Bring out the rubies. Bring out the gems. Bring out the, 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 the Van Goghs. Bring out the, uh, the, the great artists. We want the Da Vinci's. Bring that out. The Michelangelo's. Bring out those. He said, I have specific instructions to sell this one first. One of the gardeners who had kept the grounds. No one bid it and he said, well, I don't have much, but I'll give. I'll take that. I knew the son. He was good. And his father loved him. I'll, I'll buy that. I don't have a whole lot of money, just a little bit of change. But if nobody else wants that picture. And all the men and all the ladies said, yeah, give it to him. Get it, get, get it out of the way. We, we don't want that picture of his son. The auctioneer said, all right, no other bids. Okay, sold to the gardener for three cents. He took his hammer and he said, auction closed. Auction closed. They all said, what do you mean? We come here with all this money. We're going to spend all this money. We're buying it. He said, no. He said, according to the father, whoever gets the son gets everything he's got. He said, everything that belonged to that father belongs to this gardener because he chose the son. I deserved hell. I didn't even deserve to show up at the auction. But I got Jesus. And I got it all. He's the judge. He's the king. He's the priest. Isaiah said, look at him and live. I want you to know this morning if you want life, Jesus ain't gonna take it from you. If you want life this morning, Jesus will give it. He said, I come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. And that may not mean wealth, health, and prosperity because that's not what we preach. That means you can live in Christ. Let's stand this morning. Anybody wanna come thank the Lord that you chose him? Anybody want to come thank the Lord this morning that he chose all sinners? He wants to save any sinner.
They're praying. We're singing this morning. You do business with the Lord. Amen.